Great to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services. Also, let's give it up for our God Behind Bars guys real quick. We love you guys. Grateful for you. We're so glad you've come today, and we've got a great series we're in the middle of right now on roller coasters, and last week we talked about going through the ups and the downs of life, and this week I'm really excited because I have my pastor and my mentor here, a very dear friend of mine. This guy has an amazing gift of leadership, and that God is using him powerfully. He is now pastoring the largest church in American history, and so Life Church has now grown to over 80,000 people in regular weekend attendance. It's just incredible. Amazing. And uh, it's just, and God's using Pastor Craig and Amy powerfully in their ministry. Pastor Craig travels all over the world speaking. He's spoken at the biggest conferences you can possibly imagine. Uh, he's also a, a best selling author, New York Times best selling author. In fact, his latest book sold out in two days. And they had to do a, re, a reprint uh, immediately. And so we've asked them actually to bring some copies of that here as well. But we are so glad. Please stand to your feet and give a warm South Texas welcome to Pastor Craig Groeschel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys, please be seated. Massive welcome to all the Church Unlimited campuses. Can I tell you, I am giddy beyond measure to be here with you guys. I love this place. I, it's like, honestly, like when I'm off on the weekends, I don't go preach anywhere. I stay off with my family, except when we get to come see Pastor Bill and Jessica, whom we love and adore with all of our hearts. In fact, if I were you, I would, I would thank God every single day that I get to be under such amazing godly leadership. And when I, I could brag on them all day long for so many different things, like they're, they're generous, they're funny, they, they pick great sushi every time we're here, all the fun things, important things, but the thing about your pastor, I think, that stands above anything else, what's really amazing is he will often um, text me or call me and say, I'm gonna devote the next three hours to praying for you, your family, your church, how can I pray for you? And he'll do that, like literally put aside time and this is a true man of God. What you all are doing is special. I, a lot of churches are tr trying, trying to figure out how do you stay open. We got little Rod Field adding a brand new service today. We've got San Antonio blowing up. We've got people generously giving to help build Rockport, a new uh, building facility. What's happening here is special. It's God honoring. I praise God for you. Um, if you are brand new, I'm sorry you have to hear a guest today. Get your tail back next week. I promise you get to hear your pastor, and uh, I'm honored to be with you today. We're in a series, uh, Life is a Roller Coaster. How many of you would agree in your life? You kind of, a lot of ups and downs. Uh, I want to speak into that message series today. And Pastor Bill asked me to talk from my, my newest book. It's called Hope in the Dark. Does anybody need a little hope? Anybody need a little hope? Um, the good news for those of you, if your life is really, really good right now, this message is not for you. You can just sit back and relax. You can just kind of chill. This is a message for those who are hurting, for a message for those who are questioning, for those who are having some spiritual doubts. This is a message for those who are down in the dip who need a little hope when life is low, when life is dark. I'll tell you a little bit of the story behind um, the book. The, uh, there's a, a family that works in my office and they had a tragedy, they lost a child. And so um, the family, they were relatively new in their faith. So I wrote them what was supposed to be kind of a short letter to 
try to help bring a little bit of light into their darkness. And I just was so moved um, that I wrote what became a really long letter. I gave it to the family, and it did speak to them, thankfully, um, and it kind of gave them permission to doubt and to still believe in God, um, and they started to heal from it, and I'm so thankful. I left that letter, just gave it to them, left it on my computer for years and years it sat there. Um, then we have six kids. People say, do you know what causes that? We say, yes, we do, and we're unwilling to give it up, and all God's people said, Amen. You must love kids, Pastor Craig. I like kids. I love my wife. And all God's people said again, amen, right? And so we have six kids. Uh, my second daughter, I'll show you a picture of her right now. This is, uh, this is little Mandy. I think we got a picture of Mandy. We may have a picture of Mandy. It may come up. There's Mandy right there. Uh, Mandy was, uh, was getting married to James. Uh, two weeks before she got married, she got mono. That's a little dip in the thing. Things are good, and then like when we know roller coasters can come back up on the other side of mono. The problem is she never fully recovered. In fact, things got worse. Uh, she was to the point where like literally she couldn't go to church at all, couldn't get out of the house. Um, chronic fatigue, pain, um, digestive issues. She got to where she could come out of the house and got, go to church for an hour. She couldn't stand up through worship. She could just sit there. And if she did that, she'd spend the next day in bed. So here we got a 22-year-old girl going through this. And we kept thinking, she'll get better, she'll get better, she'll get better. She didn't get better. Months went by. We took it very seriously and started taking her around the nation to the best doctors, trying to get a diagnosis. Um, and, and as a dad, any of you who've ever watched a child hurt, it's just agonizing. Um, I wouldn't say that I started to doubt God, but I did question, and I had a lot of pain around it, so I thought, I'll go read that letter that I wrote for the family. Maybe I'll find something in it, and I cried all the way through it, just bawled like a baby. The letter that I wrote for someone else, it was as if someone else had written it for me, and so I asked my publishers, in the middle of this pain, can I expand this and make it into a book? And so that's the story behind Hope in the Dark. It's written out of the pain of a dad who's watching a daughter suffer in a very severe way. Um, it's based on the book of Habakkuk. Everybody say Habakkuk. Sounds like you got something caught in your throat, like a cat about to vomit, a hairball. Um, Habakkuk is an, is an Old Testament minor prophet. Everybody say minor prophet. What does that mean? That means he never made it into the majors. I'm sorry, it gets worse all day long. Just work with me. <laughs> if you don't laugh now, it's not going to be fun. We're just going to try to work our way through this today. He was a, he was a minor prophet um, who prophesied about 600 or so years before the birth of Christ. His ministry was different. When you think of prophets, uh, we tend to think of someone who would prophesy to the people on behalf of God. This is what the Lord says to you. Habakkuk, though, he spoke to God on behalf of the people. And what he said to God was raw, it was honest, um, it was sometimes almost, you would think, kind of disrespectful, he would just unload on God. What happened is his people were once very prosperous, were very blessed, and now they were in a place where they were kind of in the dip of the roller coaster. He didn't understand why God didn't do anything about it, so he asked the very same question that I was asking about Mandy, that some of you might be asking about a situation in your life right now. 2,600 years ago, he asked the same question many of us still ask today, and that is, why doesn't God seem fair? Where are you, God? 
I believe in you, I love you, I'm worshiping you, I'm asking you to do something. I know you can, but you're not. God, why don't you seem fair? Here's what he says in Habakkuk chapter one, verses two and three. At the bottom of the life of the roller coaster, he asks God, how long must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? What I love about Habakkuk is he's just honest. He doesn't sugarcoat anything. He, 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 he loves God and trusts God, but he's unsure of what God is doing, and so he just, he just honestly unleashes on God. His name actually tells so much of the story. The, the, the meaning of the name Habakkuk, it actually means both to embrace, somebody say to embrace, and to wrestle, somebody say to wrestle. I love this because at the very same time, the prophet embraces God, I'm not going to let go, I'm still going to believe in you, but God, I don't understand, I'm wrestling with you in this moment. That's why I need to warn you that this message, and I need all the Church Unlimited campuses to pay attention, this message is not a sitcom sermon. I love sitcom sermons. Most of my sermons are sitcom sermons. What is a sitcom sermon? In a sitcom who grew up on Happy Days, anybody? Laverne and Shirley. That shows your age, that shows your age. The rest you go to the office, whatever your favorite sitcom is. In almost every sitcom, what tends to happen? There's, everybody's happy, there's a problem, there's a resolution in 28 minutes or less, including commercial breaks. Everything is worked out at the end. I love a good sitcom sermon. We talk about a problem, we talk about God's resolution, at the end things are better than they were at the beginning. I love when God works things out in 28 minutes or less, including commercial breaks. The problem is sometimes life isn't like a sitcom. Sometimes in life, in a sitcom situation, you lose your job, you get a better job with more money and benefits and you sit next to a really cute guy who's single and then he asks you out and you get married and you're so happy you named your first son Craig because God brought me here to encourage you. And you, you know, I don't know how they just made that up, right? But that's what happens in a sitcom sermon. In real life, sometimes you lose your job and you can't find another one for a long time. And you start to really get in trouble financially and you're afraid you're gonna lose your house and your credit gets ruined. That's what happens in real life sometimes. Uh, in a sitcom sermon, uh, you get cancer and God heals you from cancer and everything's great and you tell everybody. Sometimes in life you get cancer, you fight cancer, you get healed from cancer, you're cancer free, and seven years later cancer comes back and you wonder why. Uh, in a sitcom sermon, if your marriage struggles, eventually your spouse gets right with Jesus and you're more blessed than ever before and you have a marriage ministry and you tell everybody how incredible God is. Sometimes though in real life your marriage struggles, your spouse does something very hurtful, blames you, walks out, and you find yourself picking up the pieces and life can be very, very difficult. This is not a sitcom sermon where there's a happy ending. This is dealing with God, embracing him while resting with him at the bottom. Habakkuk cries out, God, where are you? This doesn't seem fair. Some of you may be facing something like that in your life where you're believing God can, you're believing he will, and he's not, and you're wondering, God, why aren't you doing this? You're at the bottom of the dip in the roller coaster. So God responds to Habakkuk. His response is interesting in verse five. Habakkuk asks, why, where are you? And God says, look at the nations and watch 
and be utterly amazed. Somebody say, you're going to be amazed. God says, for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. In other words, you see something happening now, but I'm not finished yet. I still have more. If I'm like Habakkuk right now, I'm going, there it is. God's about to show up. He's going to show off. He's going to answer my prayers. It's going to be amazing. But this is not a sitcom sermon. If it were a sitcom sermon, I would tell a story kind of like this right now. I'd tell a story like, uh, it's kind of like the time that we were trying to get on an international flight going to Australia, which is like a million hours up in the air, and we were afraid we weren't going to get a seat, and we met the person up at the front, and the person at the front happened to actually know who we were, and she said, oh my gosh, this is a day you're going to be blessed. I'm going to bump you up into first class free of charge, and then she bumped us up to first class, and if you've never been to first class on an international flight, oh dear Jesus, let me tell you about it. In economy, you're sitting with like 72 people on one row. You don't sleep at all. You fake it. You pretend. They feed you something. It's not real food. You know, you're just like buckled up. And when you get off, you walk like this for days because it's just the worst thing ever. First class, oh my gosh. There's no such thing as heaven on earth, but this is as close as it gets. When you walk in, you don't just have a seat. You have a, 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 a world that reclines a lounge chair into a bed for the glory of God and all things that makes heaven what it is, they give you, listen to me, your own pajamas. I had no idea. I sat in the back of the plane. They give you pajamas and little booties and a little thing to cover your eyes and, and hors d'oeuvres, appetizers, any kind of drink you want. You want a smoothie? They'll parachute off the plane and get the... <laughs> ingredients for you and catch you at the next place or, and, and, and such. They give you a, a washcloth with a scent, like a good smell, not like 14-year-old boy smell. And it's warm and you can wash your brow. Listen to me. They warm your walnuts. I didn't sound right, but they do. They, 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 they don't be like that, Church Unlimited. You're a fourth grade boy, I understand. You're adults, you're godly people. They warm your almonds, your cashews. They in a little bowl. They warm your nuts. I, 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 just stop me. Somebody stop me now. They, but they do. They come. They're, they're, they're not room temperature. They're warm. I, I, you just take my word for it. And then, if it were a sitcom sermon, I would talk about someone who's dating right now. And I'd say, you're dating a boy, and he's not a great boy. And you're really upset about it. You're believing God for something. Listen, and now I'll tell you, you, what you're doing is you're dating an economy class boyfriend. And God's going to upgrade you to a first class boyfriend. And all of you would cheer. And then I would say, God can do exceedingly and abundantly more. Than all you can ask, think, or imagine according to his power. There's work within the church for the glory great name for church would be Church Unlimited, because God can do an unlimited work. That's what I would do if it were a sitcom sermon. <laughs> Unfortunately, this isn't a sitcom sermon. Habakkuk says, why? And God says, you're going to be utterly amazed. There's three books, three chapters in Habakkuk. Chapter one is all about wondering. God, where are you? Why aren't you? I believe you can do more. 
God says, I'm going to do something amazing, and then this is what God says he's going to do. Are you ready for this? You're going to be amazed. God says in verse 6, I'm raising up the Babylonians. Let me pause right there because when I say Babylonians, that's your cue to boo because they're bad people. Let me, let's just make sure we're all together. All of our, all of our, hey, don't, don't leave us out. It's no fun without you, okay? I'm raising up the Babylonians, <laughs> the ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They all come intent on violence. This makes no sense. God, I'm praying for a miracle, and you're raising up our enemies to bring justice upon us. And I want you to watch chapter one, even as Habakkuk is wondering, as he continues to both embrace God as best he can while he's wrestling and doesn't understand. Watch him do both in verses 12 and 13 of chapter one. He says, Lord, are you not from everlasting? I'm embracing you. My God, my Holy One, you will never die. I'm embracing you. Lord, you've appointed them to execute judgment. I'm wrestling. You are my rock. You, you have ordained them to punish. I don't even know what you're doing, God. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You tolerate no wrongdoing. I embrace your holiness. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? I'm wrestling. Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? I'm trying to embrace but I'm still wrestling. Have any of you ever been there in your life? If you're there right now, what I want you to, to embrace is that I believe with all my heart, God understands your pain. I believe with all my heart, and this is what I wrote about in the book, that the, I grew up in an environment where if you ever expressed doubt, that was almost like an insult to God. I believe that real faith is often found on the other side of honest doubts. Don't let your doubts drive you away from God. Let your doubts drive you to push into God. I'm convinced that God would rather have you yell at him than to walk away from him. When you look at the Psalms, there are very godly people crying out, God, this doesn't seem fair. When you look at Lamentations, it's an entire book of lamenting before God. You can even see Jesus on the cross whenever he becomes sin for us and God who cannot look upon sin does something, turns away, pulls back, and Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why? I don't understand. If you're in chapter one, and some of you are right now, you are wondering, do not walk away from God in chapter one. Chapter one is all about wondering. Chapter two is all about Waiting. Somebody say, waiting. waiting. Wondering is no fun. Waiting can be so much worse. I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. Anybody with me? On Netflix, <laughs> when that little thing starts to buffer, I can't take it. I can't take it. If I'm pulling up your Instagram post and it won't load, I'll just like it blind. I don't have time to wait to see if you posted some picture of your cat. I'm just liking it and moving on. <laughs> some of you right now, you're in chapter two. 
you're waiting and praying that God would rescue a child from bad decisions, set them free from an addiction, bring them back to faith in Christ. Some of you are waiting on God to do something in your marriage. You're praying, you're believing. Some of you are waiting on provision from God. You're, you're tithing, you're believing, you're hoping, you're praying. You need a job with benefits. You need, you need something to make your car payment. You're believing, you're waiting on God. Some of you, you're, you're waiting for God to heal you or somebody you love. My family, we continue two and a half years later to believe God, to try, to embrace, even though we're wrestling. God, when are you going to do something in Mandy's life? Chapter two is all about waiting. Verse three of Habakkuk two says this, for the revelation for what God is gonna do, it awaits an appointed time. Somebody say appointed time. It awaits the right time, God's time. The, the Hebrew word is translated as appointed time as the word mo'ed, mo'ed. It, it, it speaks of an end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, you're waiting right now, though it linger, what do we do? Say it aloud. Though it linger, what do we do? We wait for it. It will certainly come to pass and not delay. We need to understand that God's timing is perfect. It's often been said, He's rarely early, have you ever noticed that? He's never late, God's timing is perfect. It, it awaits the appointed time, it awaits God's perfect time. Uh, when it is God's time, it's coming. If it's not God's time, there's nothing you can do to speed it up. It's a little bit like uh, we have six kids and uh, our third daughter came a lot faster than our first child. Some of you may have experienced this. Our first one took like 72 days in labor before she came out. And then I guess things got I don't know, I'm not gonna say anything, but they came faster after that. Our third daughter, Anna, um, Amy was getting the epidural, um, and then she said, the baby's coming now. And I'm like, okay, honey, the, you know, the doctor will be here soon. And she's like, the baby's coming now. And the guy pulled the epidural out of her back and blood shot across the room. And she said, get me the doctor now. I'm like, I'll get a doctor, but you're gonna be fine. She said, no! Don't get the doctor, you deliver the baby you put into my body now. <laughs> May not have been exactly those words, but it sure felt like that. And sure enough, I'm talking there, at that moment, the baby's coming out. And so is little Anna, I, I delivered Anna right there, which means I was the closest human being when she came out. I had a hold of her head and then I panicked and tanked and I dropped her. It was only about this floor far on the bed, but she did land on the bed. And she's a little weird now as we think it might be the reason why. <laughs> but you weren't stopping that baby from coming, okay? Listen to me. If it's not God's time, you can't force it. When it is God's time, you can't stop it. Somebody needs to hear this today. You're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. God's delays are not God's denials. When God, when it's his time, it will happen. Though it linger, wait for it. Though it linger, wait for it. Some of you, you're waiting, you're waiting, you're wondering, and this is exactly what Habakkuk was doing. Chapter one is all about wondering. Don't walk away from God in chapter one. Chapter two is all about waiting. Don't quit on God in chapter two. Chapter three, of Habakkuk, there's only three chapters, it suggests a reset. It's a reset. It's almost as if he steps back 
and, and he has a spiritual moment of resetting. Uh, this is what he says in verse one of Habakkuk 3.1. He says, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, and then he sh- says, on Shijanoth. Everybody say Shijanoth. Say it very carefully, you're in the house of God. Do not mess this word up. On Shijanoth. What in the world, world does Shijanoth mean? I'm here to answer this because I researched it, because preachers have nothing to do except work on Sundays, and so we look up words like Shijanoth. Shijanoth, here's what it means. It is the plural of the word Shijan. Let us move on, okay? What does that mean? That's what I found out. Shijan is used one time in the Bible. It's used in Psalm 7. Shijanoth is used one time in the Bible. It's used in in Habakkuk chapter uh, 3. And this is a little-known musical term that tells you how a song is to be sung in worship. For example, today... My goodness gracious, this worship team is off the charts powerful, taking us into the throne room of God. They're the best of the best of the best of the best. Amazing, powerful. Uh, The worship leader could say, I want you to sing this song like a love song. I want you to do this one with a hip-hop version. I want a little bit of the floss. I don't know how to do it, but I'm working on it. Just hang with me one day, I'll get it. Yeah, it's, it's a description of how a song should be sung by a congregation gathered in worship. I did research on this word, and it means, shijanoth means a strong emotion. It means to worship with impassioned exuberance. This word means high-spirited praise. There was one article that said, is praise punctuated with exclamation marks. What I love about this is this is a praise not for the what, but this is a praise for the who. This is where some of you are right now. This is a praise and a thanksgiving to God, not for what is happening or what's not happening. This is a praise for who God is. Pastor Bill last week talked about it, that when you're going down to the dip, a godly person lifts their hands up high. This is a praise before the provision. This is a praise before there is an answer. This is a praise for the who God is, not for the what God has done. And this is what Habakkuk says in chapter 3, verse 16 and 18. He realizes that God is going to send the Babylonians, and he's afraid. He's he's scared. He says, I heard, and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones, and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. And then he says this, though the fig tree doesn't bud, and though there are no grapes on the vines... Though the olive crop fails and the field produces no fruit, though there are no sheep in the pen and no no cattle in the stall, in your world it might be, though my prayer is not yet answered, though I don't yet see a way, though I'm still praying for a job, though my marriage is still still struggling, though I still have headaches, though, though I still battle depression, though the anxiety is still very real, in my world it's though Mandy is still not healed. This is what Habakkuk says. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. In other words, there are a dozen reasons why I don't feel like rejoicing, and yet I'm going to get a little shiggy today on Shijanath. I'm going to worship my God, not for the what, but I'm going to worship him for the who. This is a faith that, that, that worships even when everything feels wrong. This is a faith that continues to believe even when you don't see. This is praise with exclamation marks. How do we do it? How do we do it? This isn't a sitcom sermon. 
Uh, my youngest daughter, Joy, when she was maybe a little older than two, maybe three years old, someone put her on a giant zip line. This zip line, honestly, was kind of like from this stage all the way to the back of this room. It was made for big kids that were big enough to stop. She was way too young, and she went flying across this zip line, and she stopped by hitting her face, face first, into a tree. The splat sound was so loud that 70 people at an outside party, all 70 of us stopped and ran to see whose child was hurt. It was Mandy, she was, uh, it was uh, Joy, she was unconscious, and her chin looked like a, it looked like a piece of fruit that exploded open. She, there's, I mean, it was, it was horrible. My wife Amy couldn't function, she just went off and, and cried. I took little Joy, put her in the car seat, completely unconscious, and she's out in the back, sped to the emergency room. I was so shaken, I could not remember her full name. I know her nickname. I couldn't, I couldn't remember her formal name to check her in. I could not remember her birth date. I just said, please, I'm her dad. They took her in, and they had to close up the inside um, first and then the outside. She had become conscious at that point, but they just deadened it. And they had me, they had me brace myself on top of her, holding her down, as she had terror in her eyes, screaming, Daddy, I don't understand. She wrapped her arms around me, she embraced me, and she wrestled, but she never let go. And she just kept saying, Daddy, I just wanna go out and play. I just wanna go out and play. Why are you doing this to me, Daddy? Why are you doing this to me? And I cried all the way through this because I didn't have the ability to fully explain to her that eventually, this would be for her good. She held on to my neck, she embraced, and she wrestled, but she didn't let go. For those of you who are in chapter one, you're wondering, God, where are you? I know you can, why aren't you? Don't walk away from God in chapter one. For those of you that are waiting, you're believing, you're trusting, you're hoping, you're waiting, though it linger, wait for it, don't quit on God in chapter two, because you cannot have chapter three type of faith, often without going through the wondering of chapter one and the waiting of chapter two. There are some of you here, you're in the middle of the low part of the roller coaster, and you may start to praise like you never have before. And today, you're not praising for the what? It's in a sitcom sermon. We didn't get upgraded today. You may miss your plane today. You may still hurt today. But today, we're praising God, both hands high, not for the what, but for the who God is. And it's not half-hearted praise. It's full-on shijanoth. It's everything in us. We give him praise for who he is, for his goodness, for his grace, for his presence, that he is here. He is working in all things to bring about good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Would you pray with me, all of our Church Unlimited campuses? God, we ask that your spirit, God, would minister in a deep and a profound way to those who are hurting today. All of our church campuses, those who say, some of you, I'm in chapter one right now, I don't understand. I'm trying to hang on, but I'm kind of confused. 
Others of you, you're in chapter two, you're waiting, you're believing God for something more. God, please hear my prayer, do something. You are waiting. If you're in chapter one or chapter two today and you wanna learn and move over to a little bit of praise, would you lift up your hands? I wanna pray specifically for you today. Lift up your hands high, all of our church campuses, God. I thank you that you are with us in chapter one, that you are close in chapter two. I pray, God, for those who are hurting, those who are battling, those, God, who, who have doubts and questions, those who may feel very significantly rattled, uh, even in their faith. I pray, God, that you would give them permission to wrestle, to ask, to maybe not understand. But I pray, God, that even as they wrestle, they would continue to embrace. Move us, God, to a place of faith. Even though the fig tree doesn't bud, even though Mandy is not well, even though we're still hurting, even though we still have questions, God, move us to a point of praise where we worship you, God, just not for the what, but for who you are, God. Do a deep, healing, faith-building work, God, in the lives of your people. Draw us close, God, because you never leave us or forsake us. As you continue to pray today at all of our different churches, no, nobody looking around. There are some of you, you may feel like you're at the bottom right now. I am, I'm convinced that there may be times when God allows us to get so low that we have nowhere else to look but up, look toward him. You may be hurting right now, you may be afraid, you, you may have had some sin that caught up with you. Um, what do you need to know? What I hope you'll understand is this, that our God is so good, he is so good, he didn't just shout, his love from heaven. He showed his love on earth in the person of his son, Jesus. Who is Jesus? He is God in the flesh. He is the son of God who was born of a virgin, who, who, who never sinned. He became sin for us on the cross. He died in our place as the perfect sacrifice, but he didn't stay dead, church. On the third day, the stone was rolled away. He was not there. Why? Because God raised him from the dead so that anyone, and this includes you, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter how bad your life is, anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved, forgiven, transformed, made new in all of our different Church Unlimited campuses. There are those of you who recognize you need grace. His grace is available. You need forgiveness when you call on him. He forgives your sins. You need his presence, his power. Today, there are those of you that God brought here today to turn from your sins, to turn toward Jesus, to call on his name, to be saved. All of our churches, those who say, yes, that's me. I need his grace. I need his mercy. I turn away from my sinfulness. I turn toward Jesus today by faith. I give my life to him. That's your prayer. Would you lift your hands high right now? All over the place, lift them up and say, yes, Jesus. I give my life completely to you. As there are hands going up at so many churches and so many lives, would you simply pray aloud with those around you? Pray, Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Jesus, save me. Forgive all my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, so I could follow you for the rest of my life. Help me praise you. Not for the what, but for who you are, for what you've done, for your grace, for your forgiveness for making me new. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. 
I need somebody to celebrate big, somebody to worship God, give him praise, give him glory for new life in Christ.